Hello, and welcome to Spall Talk, the only podcast where two siblings talk about the life and career of care. Uh, fuck. A <laughs> oh, fuck? <laughs> See, this is why I don't run the show. Spall Talk, the only podcast where two siblings talk about the life and career of Timothy Spall. I'm Eric Jacoby, and I'm not joined this time by Neil Jacoby, record scratch. Instead, I'm joined by Brooke Forrest. By Brooke Forrest, who's also a sibling. Yeah, so... We, we have different siblings, so mm-hmm. it's still not, a show run by not related, <laughs> not related to each other, but we are both siblings, so we're still doing what it says on the Exactly, box. we're still following the rules. You can't sue us. No. And we are here to talk about the 1991 film Life is Sweet, directed by Mike Lee. Mm-hmm. Uh, Brooke, uh, tell us, where would our listeners know you from? Um, if they'd know me from anything at all, uh, it would be Black Scroll Radio. I'm the GM, and I'm a DJ, and I have at least one podcast, sometimes more. Nice. Um... I don't know what Neil usually does. <laughs> That's Be- fair. People are going to realize in this episode just how integral Neil is to the whole <laughs> I process. I mean, he'll feel really good knowing that, like, you know, he's like, I am important. For sure. Also because I'm going to see if I can get him to edit this one. Because <laughs> he, he also I feel bad really he couldn't be involved either. Like, I kept getting in group chats with your brother, whom I've never met, obviously. Yeah. And he's just like, are we ready to record this? And I'm like, oh, man, he's business. I like this. Yeah. But we never figured it we out. We never did. Yeah, he's... He is doing a play right now. Uh, I think he might be actually... Yeah, I think the play started an hour ago, so he's he's wow. right now performing. He's currently playing. Play. Yeah, he's playing. Damn, go him. Go Neil. Yeah. Um, I think it's uh, The Merchant of Venice, but I don't remember very well because I'm not a, a good sibling. <laughs> um, but we're not here to talk about The Merchant of Venice. We're here to talk about Life is Sweet. Um... Mm-hmm. So as our oh wait I forgot uh, we the question that we ask all of our guests yeah what is your favorite Carly Rae Jepsen song I'm really bad at this I don't know Carly Rae Jepsen's music so I have to go call me maybe because it's the only one I know that's a very popular that's response a very, I know I feel bad because I hear the second album is phenomenal and very 80s which mm-hmm. is exactly up my alley but I never ventured into that territory a lot of people don't know this but it's actually her third. Album. Oh, I'm sorry. The first one is like it's a more countryish album, and it was mostly just released in Canada. It's called Tug of War. It's not great, mm. but uh, <laughs> it's good to know, though. But it's still not bad. Um, so, bef- uh, as you are our guest, mm-hmm. it is you. You have the choice of, if you so choose, going through a quick rundown of the plot and uh, telling people what happens in Life Is Sweet. All right, um, I can do that if you'd like. Hit me. Um, all right, so Life is Sweet is, I believe it's a 1990 movie by director Mike Lee. Mm-hmm. But we might have different information. Maybe I'm pulling Brit information, who knows? Uh, um, who knows? But um, if anybody knows Mike Lee at all, he's uh, very well known for kind of bizarre, sort of slice of life movies. Uh, very dark humor. It starts off, I kind of love the opening of the film, even though it has nothing to do with anything else that the mom character is just teaching in, like, an aerobics class for children and is getting real into it. 
Yeah, I, I mean, fans of this show will know that Mike Lee also directed um, Mr. Turner, yes. another movie we watched here, which was sort of the sort of movie that I was expecting. You know, I went in with with an expectation of what this movie would be like. And then it started out, and, I was, and there's she's teaching aerobics to preschoolers, and it has life is sweet in this extremely '90s like full house oh, God, ass yeah. font. And I was like, oh, so this isn't gonna be the movie that I think it is. <laughs> and then some more stuff happened. I'm like, oh, it actually is. Absolutely. It was like, like it was a weird bit of whiplash. Yeah, because I haven't seen Mr. Turner, but I know it. Um, mm-hmm. But like the first movie I ever saw of Mike Lee's was Naked. Did you ever see that one? No. Um, it's incredibly dark. Is Timothy Spall in that one, too? No. Uh, but David Thewlis is, which we'll talk about him later. Um, on the other podcast. <laughs> on the other podcast, where people who are not related talk about David Thewlis. Um, yeah. It's... I don't have a, a Thewlis pun. <laughs> or a Thewlis... You, no, you got time, you got time. Um, By the end of the episode, I'll have something for you. That's good, that's good. Um, yeah, so it's just about this family, this um, kind of like working class family in the suburbs of England. They don't really tell you where they're from or whatever. It's not that important. But um, it's Jim Broadbent's the dad. And he's he and his wife are both super fun. I kind of love that they just continually like laugh off everything the mm-hmm. entire movie. Mm-hmm. Like I think half of their dialogue is said through laughs. Absolutely. Um, which is really nice. And they have twin daughters who are kind of both excellent and ridiculous. Yeah. Um, not I, actual twins I looked up. Which was no, funny. they're not. Um, but they look pretty good. Yeah, like pretty similar. Um, similar. Also, yeah. Thulis Theory. That's the... That's the Thulis Theory. <laughs> wow. Very nice. I like it. I like that's it. just a theory. Just a Thulis Theory. Oh, God. That's If any of you are fans of insufferably bad YouTube videos, you'll catch that one. <laughs> there we go. For the core audience of this podcast. <laughs> Uh, but yeah, so it kind of follows this family. Uh, one daughter is a tomboy and is perfectly like normal. She gets along with her parents and everything. The other one is very aggressive and tries super hard to be like anti-authority, like to an almost embarrassing degree, but also yeah. is charming. Um, she's half of all anarchists that I know. Exactly. Or she's just like, oh. Capitalist. There's a recurring <laughs> joke in the movie that I was a huge fan of where she, whenever she disagrees with people, she will insult them by calling them a, a sexist or a capitalist or a fascist. Mm-hmm. I'm like, that's dope. I admire that. Exactly. She does it the whole time. And then I love at one point, like, because her family puts up with it, they're like mm-hmm. happy, delightful, normal people, um, pretty run of the mill. And she's just aggressive and has eating issues mm-hmm. and many things going on and doesn't work and just stays inside and is just very angry and just sits and smokes. Me, freshman year of college. <laughs> and just like, oh, capitalist. Yeah. Um, but I do love that, like, at one point in the movie, um, her mom comes up to her and she's just like, I don't, like, like it, you do you, but I just want you, you to be happy. Like, if you want to yeah. be a socialist, you go be a socialist, honey, but, like, you should go do socialist things. And yeah. I'm, like, I'm like, what a good mom. That's very, really good parenting. It was very sweet. I was sort of on the, I wasn't on the fence about it. I liked it, but I wasn't, like, I didn't, like, really like it until mm-hmm. that scene happened. Because that is one of, the, like, the last few scenes in the movie. When yeah. The, the mom confronts, uh, um... Nicola. Nicola. And is like, yeah. Jim or whatever. You were happy for a while, and then you be- started being very unhappy, and why won't you talk to us? We just want you to, you know, we love you, we want you to be happy. And I was mm-hmm. like, oh, this is sweet. 
Life really is sweet. Yeah. Wow. Because they have, like, dopey, silly parents, and I get that they're totally the type that you would be like, yeah, yeah. whatever, Mom. Um, but, you know. So they have a series of friends that seem to come by to the house to just either visit or to get their dad to do some other stupid scheme. Yeah. Uh, the first one is, um, God, what's that actor's name? Stephen Fears, I think. Um, You're going to, I don't know the names of Yeah, people. he's a really big British actor, and he's just, like, every scene he's in, he's just drunk and in this suit, even though he's just unemployed. Oh, yeah. Um, and he's just like, you want to buy this thing? And mm-hmm. he's like, no, I don't want to buy the thing. And he's like, are you sure? And he's like, well, maybe I'll buy the thing. Yeah. Um, so he ends up buying, like, a caravan food truck kind of situation. Yeah, a caravan is what British people call, like, a camper. Yeah, like a trailer, yeah. Yeah. So when they go camping, they go caravanning. Yeah. Um, yeah. So he buys this, like, crappy old beaten down, um, caravan that you sell food out of. And he's so excited. See, because I thought, after seeing that, I assumed this movie was going to be about a family who sets up a food truck and then, like, <laughs> it's, trials. It's chef but dark. Um, <laughs> no, it's not. It, it has so little to do with everything, even though it's, like, the cover of, like, the poster and everything. Just buy the caravan and then don't do anything with it. No, at one point he like, passes oh. out in it. Like, that's it. Like, that's it. <laughs> It's very realistic because I'm also creating huge projects than not going through. I mean, that's them. his whole character. He's this really nice guy. He's he's clearly clearly cares about his family, but he never finishes a damn project. Yeah, they're like, "Will you finish the porch?" He's like, "Nah." Which I can relate to. I'm astonished we're still doing small talk. Yeah, like the whole time I'm watching him do stuff, I'm like, I I can't judge. I do yeah. that all the time. Where I'm like, "Yeah, I'll do that project. <laughs> It'd be great if I did this thing," and I never do the thing. Um, so very lovely, relatable, salt-of-the-earth people. Salt-of-the-earth. Um, and their other friend, our, our spall man, is Aubrey, mm-hmm. who shows up to the door decked to the nines in... A, oh, my God. In his crappy but amazing little convertible car that just seems so wrong for him. And he, yeah. like, tries... He climbs out of it while also, like, leaving one foot up to tie his shoe... Yeah. Um, it's an amazing entrance. Dressed exactly like Evan Harms. <laughs> like, it's such a 90s look that's also coming back around for hipsters, because it is, like, he's yeah. in, like, the freaking champion jeans it's and everything. Incredible. It's incredible. It's head to toe. He has, like, a like a San Francisco Giants, like, jacket mm-hmm. on. He's And he just shows up with a pineapple. Yeah. And he's just like, hey, I brought your mama pineapple. <laughs> and that's normal, you know. She's yeah. like, I thought you might want this. And he and and, and Nicola just want to sit in the living room and stare at each other for like fifteen minutes mm-hmm. in complete silence. Exactly. And then like he calls her attractive, and she's just like, No, I'm not. It's the most stupid and awkward thing ever. Because in what world would Timothy Spall and this like seventeen-year-old anarchist girl yeah. <laughs> want to be together? But. You know, he's got a pineapple, and she's yeah. a little lonely. <laughs> it also reminds me because, like, I think they were supposed to be more or less the same age. Because yeah, she's, think... like, in her early 20s. Yeah. Because, you know, she went to school. Yeah, I was going to say, they're both young, but not super young. And Timothy Spall was 24 in, when this movie was filmed. Seriously? Yeah, oh, and he no. does not. He, he did not uh, make up poor... I'm yeah. older. <laughs> oh my god! And he was not. He was looking thirties. Yeah, that's why. Because when I first saw this movie, um, and he shows up, because uh, so... this was my first time, I'm like, oh my god, wow, that yeah. outfit. 
Because it looks ridiculous. It looks like um, yeah. like an adult man, like a much older than 24 adult man trying to dress like a cool kid. He's like, if, have, have you seen The Blob? Mm-hmm. You know how Steve McQueen looks like he's like 45 and he's playing 17? That's a like... lot of 50s movies, though, where they're just like, hey, I've got crow's feet and I'm here to pick up your daughter for the prom. Um... And, just like, and just like in this one, in the Bob, Steve McQueen was like younger than he looked. He was like 35 playing 17, but he looked oh like God. 48. It was... It was all the sun damage, you know? Yeah, yeah. Too many open-top cars. Okay, I gotta look at the year... Gothic came out because we watched Gothic for the show, and oh, he geez. looked so much younger in that. Okay, yeah, because that movie came out five years earlier, which means he was like twenty. Damn. Jeez. He like he has always looked older than he was until he became like thirty, and then he looked at an appropriate age. <laughs> yeah, he aged into his looks. Yeah. Um, exactly. Which some of us have to do. That's that's a bummer. That's just um, life. Yeah, because oh my god, I would not have guessed he was like twenty four. That is so. Also, what is a twenty four year old doing hanging out with like two forty year old? Like, hey man. Yeah, because <laughs> he wasn't like their daughter's friend. He was just their yeah. friend. And later in the movie, he's just like, yeah, I'm a friend of family. I've known them a long time. Um, <laughs> so I was just totally assuming he was like thirty. Um, yeah, so he's there with a pineapple. Wants to talk to the dad. Um, talk about his brand new restaurant, which I, which is oddly a big part of the movie. Yeah. Is Aubrey's restaurant, mm-hmm. which you is. You anything you want. Anything. Aubrey's you, restaurant. Anything you want. It's the regret meal, which means I regret nothing, essentially. Like, he took it from the Edith Piaf song, which he's singing in the backyard poorly. He's just, like, smacking his knees and, like, speaking Je ne regrette rien. I, I didn't know what was happening there. I just, yeah, because he's like, the... like Little Sparrow. Yeah, she's like uh, she's a prostitute, but um, you know, singer. Yeah, they were talking about, it, but I also didn't know what it was. Yeah, Edith Piaf. On... She's one of the most famous French singers of all time. I took Spanish in high school instead of French, so I, I did learn that in French class. But I feel you. Um, but yeah, so his restaurant's literally called I Regret Nothing. Yeah, it didn't turn out that way. He was no lots of regrets in that restaurant to a uh, kind of. Based on sort of how he acted and how he was dressed when he was in, like, the beat when he was doing that, Mm -hmm. I just assumed it was, like, a drum fill for a Rush song that he was doing. (laughs) That's how it sounded. That's why, like, because it's been a while since I watched this, so, Mm -hmm. like, I threw it on this morning while I was um, cooking. And I'm like, oh, my God, I forgot he did that. He's literally, like, drum beating to, like, three people the song Je ne regrette rien, which is, like, this crazy, um, beautiful, like, swelling operatic song. <laughs> Not how he does it. Um, and is also what he names his restaurant, his French restaurant after some, for some reason. Um, I think I would like the movie better if it was, like, Tom Sawyer and the restaurant <laughs> was called, like, the 2112 Cafe or something. There you go. Oh, God. Like, he... Brings them to the restaurant to show it off, kind of, to be mm-hmm. like, you know, we're opening soon. It's, it's going to be cool. It's just a mess. Oh, yeah. It's it's full of bird cages that he's going to hang up because she's the little sparrow. But they're, like, literally, like, old used bird cages that he's hanging in a restaurant. Yeah. Like, covered in, like, bird shit and stuff. And, like, yeah. the swings are still in there. And um, he removed a picture of Edith Piaf off of the wall to put the cat head up, which was another <laughs> nice touch, I thought. They're like, you're going to put a, a taxidermy cat head yeah. in your restaurant over the Edith Piaf picture, which is a lot more French. Um, 
he's just kind of a nut in this movie. Yeah, he's very strange. He's bizarre. He doesn't read the situation at all. He thinks he's really great and really cool. So what I'm what I'm hearing is this is his most relatable performance yet. To me. <laughs> I mean, it is one of those things of a lot of what he does. It's embarrassing to watch, but you're also just like, yeah, I know people like that. Exactly. Um, exactly. There's also in the scene where they're in the building that he's going to turn into the restaurant, mm-hmm. and he's just he's just surrounded by this junk that he's collected and talking about how cool it's going to be. Mm-hmm. And to be honest, I related to that. I was like, oh, I also have a ton of garbage. Like that's just me in like. Any secondhand store or flea market. A hundred percent same. When he's just like, yeah, I bought a couple of halves of an accordion that I'm going to hang up on the wall. And I'm like, <laughs> I, I would, would do, do that. that I would totally do that. I can't judge you, Aubrey. I would do it. I was, when Ben was in town over spring break, I took him to this flea market that I used to go to sometimes when I was a, when I was a youth. Mm-hmm. And we spent, there was this old, like, record player slash radio slash 8-track player, and we solidly spent 15 to 20 minutes trying to get the record player to work and trying to figure out how it worked. And, like, if it wasn't, I almost bought a Hammond organ when I was 18, yeah. just just because it was $40. And I was like, oh, I could, I could do something with this. There you go. I've been, like, looking up, like... Whatever the smaller accordions are. The oh, the, the little seat. squeeze boxes? Yeah, like, I literally have been, like, looking at them online for, like, three weeks now, and I'm like, mm-hmm. I don't need that, but I want it. Yeah. It's not a practical choice, but... I could finally finish that uh, Halloween costume that's Bob Hope singing Buttons and Bows. <laughs> yeah, that was really my goal. You know, one of these days, I'll go a little closer to that and to, like, you know, I could just play squeeze box by the Who in my apartment and be like, I did this! It's me! I'm mm-hmm. so... My life is complete. School is over. Um, school canceled. School canceled. I, I know it all now. In a punk jacket with sunglasses, and you're like, school's out, and you're playing a squeeze box. That is where I could, like, that's where I see myself in five years. That sounds really nice, actually. It sounds probably incredibly depressing to anybody else, but I think that sounds lovely. Um, what you should do is you should try to become a... Um, school teacher mm-hmm. in North Korea because they make you play the accordion. I feel like there's a lot of other things that come with that. Yeah, well, that's the main thing. That's and the main, it, it that's the main thing about else. North Korea. Um, you can be a school teacher who plays the accordion. Yeah, that's that's why that's why I support them. <laughs> Critical <laughs> support fair. for the DPRK. Strictly because of their accordion Strictly teacher policies. accordion teacher policies. I mean, that's generally how may I make my decisions based on accordion teacher policies. Mm-hmm. That's fair. Which is why there's only one good country on here. <laughs> there's only one. Uh, make America great again. Keep North Korea, you know, squeeze box friendly. Um, that's my move. All right. So, um, I feel like I'm doing a terrible job doing the plot of this movie, but it's just because there's kind of no general plot. It's just them yeah. going through daily life situations. Mm-hmm. They go see his restaurant. It's kind of awful, but they're friendly and they like laugh it off. And then when he like leaves the room, they go, "Oh, this is not good at yeah. all." <laughs> um, poor guy. Yeah, this is a lot like cause a lot like um, Mr. Turner had more of a plot because it was going through his whole life, mm-hmm. but. There's not much of a traditional, like, narrative arc to this. It's just a bunch of... Which is how life happens, mm-hmm. you know? It's, is, it's a very slice-of-life movie, for sure. Exactly. I mean, so is Naked, though. I mean, it's just David Lewis giving, like, general rants mm-hmm. for, like, two hours. Yeah. Um, just follows around different people. So it's, it's not really a normal narrative, um, and that's kind of more of what this feels like. 
So they see the restaurant, and before we completely leave the restaurant opening situation, I absolutely love that he's just like, yeah, I got these candles and bottles, and I want them all to be the same size, but I keep forgetting to blow them out. So I've gone through... Was it 40 candles or She's something? Like, like 20 cases or something. Yeah, I'm like, that's insane. Plus, like, he has he has all these candles that are in wine bottles, and he wants them all to be the same height, but he also lights all of them, which doesn't make sense. Mm. You shouldn't light this, the shortest ones. <laughs> exactly. Like the dog- it's amazing and frustrating, and I really, once again, nice touch. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, so then they end up at his apartment, which is just, it's like a, a child's apartment. Yeah. Um, like, I'm surprised he didn't have a race car bed. <laughs> He's and... just sitting in the hallway playing on his trump set. Things <laughs> like that, and they're like, wow! Okay. <laughs> wow, cool, your neighbors must hate that. <laughs> exactly. Um, the, like, Jim Broadbent's character is walking around, and just, like, there's just open boxes full of, like, nudie magazines, because, mm-hmm. you know, that's what adults have in their apartments. Um... And it's just super silly. He, like, shows off his bed. He's like, yeah, it's orthopedic, uh, you know. He just bounces on it. Bounces on it and then, like, falls between the crack of the wall <laughs> and the bed. His hat falls off and then he picks up a different hat he picks up a different and puts hat. it on. The different hat was amazing, though. It was like, oh, this Mickey it was, Mouse hat. Yeah, it, it was, was solid it was 90s. Blue. Oh, it was beautiful. Um, but, yeah, they're just like, wow, okay. <laughs> I mean, this is really nice. Um, and they end up offering, uh, the mom ends up offering to waitress for him because his waitress drops out and yeah. leaves to go to Prague with her boyfriend mm-hmm. and they then have to debate which... Whether or not Prague <laughs> is in Czechoslovakia. Or Poland. Or Poland. <laughs> She's run off to Poland and they're like, ah! It's all the same. All the same. They're yeah. all subhuman Slavs. <laughs> Make a, you make a lot of friends on this podcast, I bet. Uh, um, so they're going to help out. Mm-hmm. We continue to follow the daughters in their daily life, uh, which is where we get to probably, I think, the scene that would maybe be yeah. unusual for most. Yeah. For what I'm going to point out, like, I was kind of hoping that, like, well, not hoping, but what I expected was at this point that the daughters would come in and help run the restaurant and mm-hmm. it would be like, like a regular movie that you watch and then that didn't happen either. No. There's almost no... Because I think... Honestly, I think I enjoyed the movie even more the second time around. Mm -hmm. Um, Because the first time, I didn't know what to expect. I just knew that I liked the cast and I liked Mike Lee. Yeah. Um, But the first time I watched it, I'm like, oh, there's just nothing that I expected to happen is happening. And they're just doing whatever, which ends up amounting to a lot of non-starters. Yeah. Um, The daughter, Jane Hark... um, Nicola, the anarchist daughter, has a boyfriend mm-hmm. played by a young asshole, David Thewlis. And oh, that's who David Thewlis is. Okay. Yep. yep. And I freaking Remus Lupin for those of you who enjoyed Harry Potter, yep. or for those of you like me who watched Harry Potter. <laughs> nice, very nice. Yeah, I freaking love David Thewlis because of Mike Lee movies. Mm-hmm. He is an ass and naked. He's a terrible person, but I absolutely love him. Mm-hmm. Um. And that's actually what, um, that's how he got cast in Harry Potter. Really? It's because, um, she saw that movie, um, and was like, this is a freaking great movie, and he's amazing. I want him to be, like, the yeah. dreamy Remus Lupus guy. <laughs> Which is why he's completely not age-appropriate, because she was, like, thinking of him of, like, 95, 96, yeah. when Naked came out. Um, 
I almost, I almost just said, man, if only she'd watched a different Mike Lee movie, we could have had Timothy's fall and Harry Potter, but he was. <laughs> but he was. I, we different. watched those for the podcast, I just, it was just out of my mind. Cause yeah, I, different, very different character, but yeah. he was there. Um, yeah, so that's kind of why I root for him in this, even though he's a dick. Oh yeah, he's a, he's a huge asshole. He's an asshole, but he's also one of the few people that's like, I don't know moderately real. I mean, he, he lays it on way too thick, but, yeah. like, he's like, you're bizarre. Like, straight up, yeah. you are strange to the daughter who is strange because she's got some fixation where yeah. she won't eat, but she requires him mm-hmm. to, like, eat chocolate off of her for her gratification, which is incredibly messy, and also yeah. <laughs> like, I don't know, it just, to each their own, it just doesn't make a ton of sense. Yeah. Um... She has a, a very uh, strange relationship with eating. Yes. Uh, she, like, refuses to eat if you know, just, just smokes instead. Mm-hmm. And there's a scene that they show where, you know, late at night she binges and purges yep. uh, just, like, candies and chocolate. Mm-hmm. So she does have this relationship, which makes it make a lot of sense why she does this. Yeah. But um, clearly not something he's into at all. At, not even a little Not bit. even a little. Um, he's like, oh, do we have to do this again? <laughs> exactly. Or like, can't we just have normal person sex? Exactly. Like, he's just like, um, really? It's boring. And yeah. she's just like, this is what I want to do. Um, which, mm-hmm. you know, whatever. However they found each other. And yeah. it's interesting, I guess. Um, but no, so I, I like seeing him in it. And he's, he's an asshole, yeah, but. He's, he's just playing this, like, this sort of loser asshole who doesn't really care, mm-hmm. who reminded me of most people that I've worked with in <laughs> restaurant jobs. And there's there's a, another scene where they're just hanging out, and he's like, she's like, hey, let's go have a weird sex. And he's yep. like, no, can we hang out? I don't want to eat Nutella off of your naked body. <laughs> and he's like, why can't you just be normal and not like a weirdo? And then she got upset, and then he kept... Yeah, it was a harsh scene. It's harsh, for sure. Because mm-hmm. I was excited that he was in it and that they were a couple, because I really like her in the movie Little Voice, which is why I knew who she was. She's a completely different person. In Little Voice, she's like this tiny person who um, doesn't really talk, but can sing like anybody else. Yeah. Like She's like an amazing mimic. Um, Little to no Nutella involved yeah, in that movie. Not so much. Uh, Michael Caine's in it. It's a delightful film. Um, much happier, but also incredibly dark because it's British for some reason. They, yeah. they like to do both. Um, Which is kind of indicative of like, I watched like a lot of British TV and comedy mm-hmm. when I was a kid. And Same. I think I probably would be a different person if I didn't. Same. There's a lot of it that it, like I, but I love it though. Maybe that's why I'm so dry. It's good as hell. It's so good. Uh, it's it's my thing entirely. So that's why I like Michael Lee and stuff like that completely work for me. But um, I found out what the phrase dry humor meant when I was in middle school. And one of my teachers told me I had an extremely dry sense of humor. It's like, <laughs> what are you even saying? <laughs> that's so nice, though. What a, I mean, I, they might not have been complimenting me, but I think it's a compliment. Yeah, I think Mrs. Romero Day was complimenting me. Shout out, Mrs. Romero Day. <laughs> Shout if, out. If you're listening, let's be real. Since you're listening. <laughs> I was like, of course, she's the number one fan, duh. She's the number one fan. Thank you for teaching me Spanish. Oh, that's nice. She was a teacher. It wasn't just like, a, like a, as a favor. <laughs> she was like, I got you, kid. Don't worry. Yeah. Um, I'll teach you on the side. But yeah. Um, she knew both Neil and I. We were, we were on 
Southwestern Middle School news crew for a while oh. until they got rid of the student newspaper. That's so it was okay because it wasn't very good. Most middle school papers are not good. I can't imagine they could be good. <laughs> I know. I remember our middle school paper. I did it for like a semester, uh, like half a year or whatever, and um, she just rewrote everything. Like the, yeah. the person drew. Can't blame her. Exactly, but like most of her stuff was fine, but she completely rewrote everything, and I'm like, well, dude, then like you just write the paper. Like we're good, mm-hmm. you know, mm, whatever. The problem with uh, with the student paper is that everybody on it wanted to do a um, uh, either movie reviews or a um, serial like story. Hmm. And so you just like, wanted, like, a literary mag slash like, exactly, entertainment magazine. Exactly. That's all you need, really. That's, that's what we offer here at BSR. <laughs> Pretty much. <laughs> Only the best. Um, yeah, so they have a wonderful... Essentially, we all just wanted podcasts. <laughs> that's what everybody wants, isn't it? <laughs> that's the thing. People just want to talk. They just want to talk and not have to do that much with it. They don't, they don't want to type that much. If you're a Kent student and you want to talk and not do a lot of work, reach out and we'll get you in touch with our podcast department. Mm-hmm. We'll figure something out. Yeah. We got this. Um, do you want to get into a spalling moments and spell wonders? Yeah, we can. Um, we didn't get into the fact, though, that, and this will, I think, be our spalling moment, so. Yeah. Um, really, I think the, the big part of the movie is the restaurant opening. And yeah, it's it's a very heavy yeah. part of the film. It's the most dramatic by far. It feels like the climax of the movie because then everything yeah. kind of slows down after that. And then, you know, the mm-hmm. next day things are not necessarily resolved, but, like, it's a normal family moment after that. Yeah. Um, but it is a wonderful success. Not so much. <laughs> um, it's, it's terrible. Nobody comes. And he's got this poor cook that... Yeah. It was like my grad party. <laughs> Nobody showed up. I got angry. Oh, that was like my high school one for sure, man. Mm-hmm. I'm there. We got yeah. this. <laughs> yeah. Uh, it was just my heaps of family. Um, but yeah, like it was... He he opens up. It seems like it's going to be a mess, especially because he didn't... Like he doesn't know what he's doing is, is mm-hmm. the, a very abundantly clear thing. Like he's just going to hand... Like do decorations. Make food that sounds... Frankly, terrible. Yeah. None of it sounds good, and he doesn't seem remotely qualified. Yeah. It all seemed... it. The food all seemed terrible, but also, like, that's just what British food is. So I didn't know if this was also terrible by British standards. Well, because they were even like, ugh. Because, yeah. um, like, Jim Broadbent's character is a chef. Yeah. Um, and his wife also, like, cooks throughout the movie, like, family meals, yeah. and those all sound normal. Yeah. Um, even like when they're listing off fake food that you can order from the caravan, that all generally sounds normal. Yeah. Um, his stuff is just like, oh, would you like a lamb's tongue, one giant king prawn, and what is essentially yeah. like the the sort of cocktail sauce that it was in was like orange juice and jam blended together. Yeah, exactly. Or and they're like, oh, it's like oh, and what is what is this white stuff? Is that you know some sort of cheese that I've never heard of before and he's like no it's a uh, yogurt exactly like, like it's not Ooh, I don't know it's just like those like Mm-mm. like the worst Facebook videos about cooking when you're like it's you like it's like that. a kid went into a kitchen and was just like this is fine dining exactly this is only the best exactly this is tres chic 
Um, and it's not. It's just gross food. Like, like the old woman who I met in Goodwill who gave me the worst chili recipe I've heard in my life. Oh, what did she tell you? <laughs> I was buying a crock pot and we got to talking about crock pots because that's what old people do. Yeah. Uh, and she was like, let me tell you my chili recipe. And I was like, nice, because I was getting ready to do the first chili in Zelina. Mm-hmm. And I was looking for good chili recipes. And she's like, so first of all, you take a, take a bottle of V8. And, like, alarms started going oh. off in my head. I'm like, uh, no, you don't. <laughs> Her recipe was a bottle of V8 so that you get the veggie flavors. Um, <laughs> Without having to buy all those pesky veggies. Yeah. <laughs> it, was, it was a, a bottle of V8, uh, a, a bunch of meat, a bunch of beans, um, a little bit of brown sugar, hmm. and some maple syrup. Huh. And that was a recipe, and I'm like, I, hmm. I'm not like a purist about chili. Some people will tell you you shouldn't have beans. Some people will tell you you shouldn't even have tomatoes. I'm very permissible, but if you call that chili, I will... I will, <laughs> I will strike thee down. I will strike you down. Jeez. I mean, it's nice she wanted to share, though. She is proud. She also told me, like, a potato soup recipe that sounded much better, but I also cannot trust her. (laughs) (laughs) Can't trust you now, Molly. Come on. Oh, that's so sad. I'm going to put brown sugar and maple syrup in chili and zero peppers. (laughs) You don't even have chilies. (laughs) Chili is Spanish for pepper. The secret ingredient is there's no chili. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, God. That's so sweet and sad. Yeah. <laughs> oh, my God. Yeah, like, it's... his. All of his food sounds awful, and... Here's my here's my tomato soup. It's cream of chicken soup plus red food coloring. <laughs> Pretty much. It, I, he's like, oh, yeah, there would be the brains, and then... Chilled brains. Chilled brains. Was it cyst? It was something cyst. Yeah, lamb cyst or something. Yeah. Pork cyst. Maybe be yeah. Like mm, pork cyst. <laughs> he's like he's like skinning tongues or something. Mm-hmm. While talking to his poor cook who his, his cook who like will only move when physically moved. <laughs> Pretty much. Or when she's going out for a smoke. She's just like a tiny bird like lady with like a yeah. bandana on the whole time. With her hair under a bandana, she kind of looks like Vladimir Putin, I hate to say. No. She does look very Slavic. Yeah. Um, Subhuman is what no. I'm saying. <laughs> but she deserves more than what she got. Yeah. Um, which I guess should bring us to the. Yeah. Let's. The... let's I'm going to break with tradition and yeah. let's do both of our spalling moments first and then we'll end on our. Spa Wonders yeah. as, like, a positive note to get us out of this funk. Yeah. Uh, do you want to go first or should I first? You can go first. My spalling moment is with, with the cook and Timothy Spall. Mm-hmm. Um, they go back to his apartment, and they're at the drum set that he showed off earlier, and she's sitting in the in at the drum, in the drum... What's called the drum throne, but I don't like that phrase. Is that what it's actually called? Yeah. That's so sad. Yeah. That's really stupid. It is real stupid. <laughs> a lot of stuff about music, and especially drums, is kind of real dumb. Um, shout out to Ben if you're listening. <laughs> um, so she's sitting there, and then he is just playing the drums with her hands. Like, she's mm-hmm. holding the sticks, and then he's holding her wrists and hitting all the drums mm-hmm. to make this beat. 
And then he stops, and he's he's just like, you know, uh, you have great rhythm. And then he says, like, oh, you're really attractive. And then he starts to sort of kiss her, and then they sort of slowly... She slowly falls sideways while he continues to kiss her, and then he puts his mouth, his his tongue entirely inside her ear. Essentially, which, yeah. Oof. That was hard to watch, first of all, because it's assault, and second of all, because... It's so gross. That must be disgusting it's one for of both the, of them. I was going to say, it's one of the grosser... I mean, all forms of assault are gross, yeah, but yeah. it's one of the ones visually, and I'm sure physically, are just yeah. not the best. One thing, that I, one thing that I like to do is these ridiculous would-you-rather questions, but if someone asked me, would you rather have someone stick their tongue in your ear or stick your tongue in somebody else's ear, I could not answer that. I They both seem <laughs> they horrible. They both seem bad. I don't want to be on either end because of Because he literally, situation. like, he, he goes in kind of for the kiss, but he doesn't even act actually kiss her it's just literally tongue straight in the ear and she just starts to go down on the ground um well he's also got like a hand very much on her breast yeah so um not a highlight for him as a person or a character it was Uh, it was harsh it was definitely i think that definitely earns a spalling that's that was extremely a spalling i was a Mm -hmm. spalled i was a spalled as well was, so was she, I'm assuming. Yeah. She... She, she took it well. Yeah, she, she didn't show an emotion. No. She didn't show emotion until the very end of the movie, though, honestly. Yeah. Was, like, the whole time she's just like, yeah, okay, sure. Like, mm-hmm. that's her character completely. Yeah. Um, it's... Yikes. Yeah, that would be the biggie for me. Um, a lot of Aubrey, Timothy Spall, being, like, weirdly emotional. Yeah. Um... Is amazing. Like I think he he does a good job with it to a degree where like that can't be sure. easy. Yeah. Um. Because he sells it. Absolutely. But it, like he'll just get emotional during a scene or say something or like you know <laughs> my dad was a mean man and they just throw something across the room. Yeah, he does a lot of throwing stuff. He throws stuff all the time. Yeah. Um, and it's really weird and awkward. Like if I you've ever been around somebody that is like a thrower or says stuff that's really like not appropriate in the general room and mm-hmm. it is the it's the fucking worst. Yeah. Um but of course like the only two people that can handle it are like the most happy go lucky people yeah. ever. They're just like, um, oh. just like oh, oh okay. Yeah. Wow, alright. Um so that's kind of the biggie and then when he goes completely ape shit in mm-hmm. the restaurant. Yeah. He's just getting drunker and drunker through the night because it's just clearly not working out. Nobody's coming in. Um, It is not a success. He, like, completely throws himself at the mom character. Yeah. He, he what happens is he steps outside of the restaurant and just screams in the street. <laughs> like, where are like, you know, I dare you. He's like, oh, you disgusting working class slobs. None of you understand fine cuisine. Mm. <laughs> Enjoy your fish and chips. And then he goes in and he, he tries to, you know, he throws himself on the mom and then he's like... I love your husband. He's a great guy. Here, I'll give him my suit. And then he takes off his <laughs> exactly. suit. So then he proceeds to continue <clears throat> in what is just an amazing tantrum. Yeah. Super uncomfortable, but very well done. Yeah. Where he's pantsless now. Gotta, gotta say, though, his underwear, stylish. Every His stylish down to the underwear. Head like, to toe, stylish on that man. Yeah. Um, it's like, it's, it's not what is... I mean, you wouldn't call it fashionable, 
but it's he sells it. He does. He seems incredibly confident in his digs. Mm-hmm. I'm not sure that he should, but he yeah, does. Which I figure people have probably said about me in the past, but you know what? I'll <laughs> take it. You should just take all your fashion advice from Life is Sweet. Clearly I do. Very nice. You need um, fancier jeans. You need some champion jeans or like Jenko or something. <laughs> I <do laughs> sweet pair of Jenkos. They're going out of business. Get it? Well, it's uh, still around. It's like Repo. Um, it's like I'm in Repo the Genetic Cop, brother. I'm trying to get that gene co. Oh my god. Yeah. So he he goes completely apeshit, and it's well done. It's definitely like I said, kind of like the climax of the movie because everything else is very quiet. I For mean, sure. there's, there's arguments and stuff, but it's the whole movie is very slice of life. That's why I yeah. feel like I'm doing once again a shit job going through a narrative because there's not really a narrative. Exactly. Um. But this is really sort of the closest thing we have to one, because yeah. we know that he's got a restaurant. We know that it's not going well. We know mm-hmm. that the mom's going to help out, and it does not go great. Not at all. And uh, the dad is just getting drunk with his friend that just sold him the shitty caravan. Mm-hmm. And, and he tries to sell him some other shitty stuff. <laughs> exactly. And he's like, nah. He's like, you're a bastard, and then just falls <laughs> off a chair. Um, you know, like your friends do. The most Peter O'Toole performance that was not done by Peter O'Toole. <laughs> exactly. Because he's just supposed to be remarkably wasted the entire movie. Yeah. And um, just talks about visiting his dear mom, which, of course, never happens, I'm sure. Yeah. So the dad ends up falling asleep in the caravan outside. The mm-hmm. mom comes home after a shitty night. Yeah. Um, and she even tries to convince the poor cook to come with her. She's just like, all right, Aubrey has gone crazy. He has asked me to sleep with him. He's tried to give me his pants to give to my husband. <laughs> He's, like, throwing things around the restaurant. Bird cages are flying about. Yeah. Um... He's mumbling the whole time, which is his entire move. Like, he just mumbles and, like, fidgets. Yeah. Um, it's a lot Again, like the daughter very in that relatable. Way. Exactly. Just like a, like, he's just, like, playing with the pineapple, like yeah. it's a basketball or something. Mm-hmm. Um, but, like, he, he eventually the wine gets to him, and so does the night and the mood, and he's just, he's freaking out. Like, he passes yeah. out. Um, the place is a wreck, and she's like, all right, I'm out. This yeah, night was like, fucked up. Tag him out of this Yeah, night. I'm like, all right, time to go home. Thank God this is over. Mm-hmm. And uh, tries to get the cook to come with, and the cook's just like, uh, no. And gets all, like, surprisingly emotional. Yeah. And kind of, she's like, we were supposed to get chips later. <laughs> um... <laughs> Which somehow references the fact that they actually gave a shit about the Timothy Spall character, which is yeah. sort of surprising, yeah. considering that he's kind Awful. of a tool and incredibly immature. Mm-hmm. Um, like, she's even jealous at one point that, like, the mom character is getting more attention than her. Yeah. Um, she's like, I want wine. You gave her wine. Mm-hmm. Like, it's just ridiculous. But, um, so, they leave him there. What if Spall instead over. of... Inst- <laughs> What if instead of making memes about Harley Quinn and the Joker, they just made memes about Timothy Spall and his cook? <laughs> that should be it. I mean, she's she's ready to, you know, she's she's got his back. She's she, ride or die. Exactly. She like she has to take the bus home, and yet she's going to stay there, even yeah. though he's passed out. And then mouthing Nicola, which is so gross. Yeah. Because, like, yeah. that's her mom, and he just tried to fuck her mom. Mm-hmm. And give thanks to her dad, and then completely reference that they're good old family friends, even though he's 
I don't know what age he's actually supposed to be in the movie. Yeah. Because um, he, he would, read to me like a, a, a sad 30-year-old. He looks like a sad 30-year-old. He's actually 24. He's dressed like a 16-year-old. It's very confusing. It's hard to read. Um, Mixed signals. Exactly. Because I had no idea he was 24 in that movie. That is... Yeah. Poor guy. I was like, I was like, how old is he supposed to be? So I, I looked it up and I was like, oh. Wow. That's amazing. Yikes. I'm older than that. <laughs> <laughs> That's insane. Um, yeah, so that kind of ends the, all the, the spall bits, and then mm-hmm. we just kind of finish up the movie with family wrap-up stuff. Yeah. Um, but I don't know what the, the spall wonder exactly would be. Do you have a, a standout one? My spall wonder is... Um... It's also a Timothy Spall moment. It's his. It's when he first appears. Yeah. Because, you know, this convertible pulls up, and you see this guy, and you don't see his face at first. Mm-hmm. You just see that he's dressed in this, like, champion sweatpants, and he's got, like, the big thing on. Just the most garish outfit you can oh, think yeah. of. He's... Every piece is loud. Yeah, it's incredible. And he, he sort of stumbles and almost trips getting out of the car, and then he, he ties his shoe, and I'm like, oh, who is this this youth? Who's coming out to uh, to see Nicola? And then he turns and he sees Timothy. I see Timothy's small face and go, "Oh my god!" And I pause the movie because I'm like, I can't, I can't process this information. I was so excited for you to see him in this because he's ridiculous. Because <laughs> again, he looks like he's in his mid thirties. So I'm like, but he's dressed like that, and I was like, oh my god. Whoa. And then he comes like he's like how Mr. Rogers takes off his shoes and puts on his inside shoes. He takes off his sunglasses and then puts on these giant goofy glasses. Which are hella fashionable. <clears throat> yeah, they are beautiful. Just, just sitting there spinning his pineapple and I'm like, wow. It was it was I was astonished. I was super excited for you to see him in this just because after I watched this movie, like, he's the standout by far because yeah. he's the most ridiculous. Yeah. Everybody else is kind of understated. Mm-hmm. He shoots for the moon and then some. For sure. Um, and, it, like, just the clothes, the character, everything about him is just insane. Most, like, every character in this except for, like, you know, what I'm saying is uh, both daughters and then Timothy Spall essentially uh, stand in for the different ways that I have dressed over time. <laughs> There's like okay. the middle school rebel. I mean, me, and all three like, are incredibly fashionable. Yeah, they're like they're all fashion icons in this. Yeah, like movie. I want all of Nicola's clothes. Like yeah. they're all great. Mm-hmm. She doesn't back them up. She's it's, such a, a faux yeah. anarchist. But you know, I like where her heart is. She just says bollocks to the poll tax. I know. I'm like, like hell yeah. yeah. What was the other one? It was like a Sonic. No, it was she had a, a Smith shirt under her overalls. Shirt. Was, I'm like hell. I was like, yeah. wow. She seems great. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> yeah. Like, him showing up is a big one. Like I said, like, I love when he gets in the caravan and it just tips over. Yeah. Because he, he's so big and, like, awkward. And that's awkward. how, like, a, how, a, how a, a caravan works. It's just, like, there's, like, a wheel yeah. in the middle. <laughs> exactly. Like, so he's just like, boom. boom. And they're like, oh, you okay, Aubrey? And he's just like, yeah, yeah, yeah. It was also weird that he was called Aubrey because the only other male Aubrey that I'm aware of is the, is the Drake. rapper Drake. Yeah. You know, it would be a cool movie if Drake was in it. I think he's a crossover su- with Degrassi. Because I think he's supposed to be loosely French, which is is like Aubrey's a French name, hence the oh. stupid French restaurant. Because um, otherwise, it makes no fucking sense. 
but he also seems yeah. to know nothing about France or French <laughs> culture outside of like one Edith Piaf song. Maybe he's like he knows French culture the same way that Irish Americans will be like, "Hey, I'm, I'm a St. Patrick's Day Irish or whatever." Mm-hmm. This chair is weird. <laughs> I'm trying. To, I'm gonna cut this out. This audio <laughs> right here, that's good. where I'm trying to. Cause where I, you can hear. <laughs> yeah, because I, I unscrewed the back of this chair to try and get it to a more comfortable position. Now, nope, that didn't work. All right. <laughs> I, I I've heard no weird things about does. that chair, but I've never sat in it, so I'm like, it can't be that bad. But apparently, it is. Because apparently, like this was pushed all the way in while I was sitting in normal style, which is why I switched. Okay. Anyway, life is sweet. Life is sweet. I'm not Um, sure how much of that I'm going to cut out. Probably all of it. I just cut the whole episode. (laughs) Just cut the whole thing down to, like, life is sweet. Timothy Spall's got a great (laughs) outfit on. Um, several, really. Yeah. Uh, yeah, so... Let's, Let's do a quick, like, rundown of, like, what the best Timothy Spall outfits were. Mm. So running out, he comes out in the one we've described mm-hmm. in depth. The, yeah, the I think that's maybe the best. Yeah. That's champion sweatpants, and then there's him giving the tour of the restaurant, uh, where he has a sort of like bright uh, yellow T-shirt on, mm-hmm. and you know his ridiculous hat, and his his red rimmed glasses. He has so many good hats. He does have a lot of good hats. <laughs> An abundance, if you will. So I'm not like. One falls off. He can just pick up a new pick one. Pick up a completely different yeah. hat. That might have been the best article of clothing, that that bright blue mm-hmm. hat with all the Mickey Mouses. Or I guess Mickey's Mouse is the proper plural. Um, and then there's his uh, his his grand opening night. Yeah. Um, I like that like, before he even goes out, she's just like, you're not wearing that, are you? And he's in like a yellow tank top. <laughs> yeah, he's in like, and, like tribal shorts or something. It's amazing. red tank top. It looks terrible. And then he switches and he has like, it's it's this gray, maybe like a light blue uh, suit with like a paisley shirt that's also like too big for him. Mm-hmm. Like he's looking like David Byrne. It rules. <laughs> Every outfit he's in is... Is something else like he uh, he he tries so hard. It's incredible. It's fantastic because I think like that's because I didn't give like a declarative one, but like because I more or less share the same uh, a spalling and spall wonder moments because mm-hmm. they are mainly him. Like I, I yeah. like the family a lot. I like a lot of their interactions, and those are probably like inherently the better parts of the movie. Yeah. Um. But his character is so bananas that it just kind of takes over. Yeah. Like, he's not a lead, but he's kind of a lead. It's easily the most memorable part, because it's... Essentially, the movie is an ensemble cast, and then Timothy Spall happens to this family. <laughs> exactly. And they have to react to him. And, like, they themselves are already odd. Yeah. So for him to, like, make a dent in that means sure. that he's in- just ridiculous. A quirky fella. Incredibly quirky. Yeah. So, several spectacular outfits. Um... Bizarre dreams. Uh, very childish. Very interesting. Um, like I said, I, I do like the, the mumbling and fidgeting. Yeah. It's very relatable because I, I, I fidget a whole lot. I totally do the thing where, like, I if I have a thing and that I can play Toss with. It back. Exactly. Mm-hmm. So, I'm like, I get that. But then, at one point, she's even just like, I can take the pineapple. And he just looks like he's going to, like, he doesn't want to get yeah. it. And he's just like, uh, okay, okay yeah, okay. 
the most the most focused episode of this podcast was the one that I recorded last summer after I had gotten a fidget spinner and I was fidget spinning through the whole one through the whole thing and I was just like laser focused on the movie. Maybe that's what I need to do, like because I I hate fidget spinners in the sense that like they have become such a goofy yeah, thing. Yeah. But like I'm like oh I get it I totally get it. Yeah. <laughs> Like, I I would get using one if they weren't so, like, if, yeah. Yeah, I know, that's the problem. Because I'm like... If it didn't seem like I was going to make some bizarre YouTube live blog where I am, like... Exactly. I don't know. Because even on this, like, I'm like, I feel like I should be touching something or grabbing a thing or playing with yeah. a thing, but I have nothing to play with in here, which is really sad. Maybe that's why I don't get enough work done. Um, <laughs> just more fidget spinners in the office. Exactly. What do, what do kids today do while they're fidget spinning? Do they just, like, make YouTube videos and become racist Twitch, Twitch streamers? I think so. I haven't hung out with, like, young kids in a while because my cousins are getting older. And they were my the children in my life. <laughs> um, and then I hung out with my best friend's cousins this summer, and all they did was talk about YouTube and play with fidget spinners. And I'm like, and slime. And I'm like, oh, man, yeah. it's exactly what I thought it was. Apparently there's like, <laughs> I found this out, my, my friend who's, you know, his, whose mom is a teacher who mm-hmm. uses some glue for her class, found out that there's a huge glue shortage because it's so cheap and people are, kids are buying tons of it to make like the slime. Yep. They're all about the slime. Like his mom was astonished that I knew what the slime was. She's like, you know the slime? I'm like, yeah. <laughs> I'm like, it's cool. I've made goo as a kid. It happens. It's a fun time. You know the slime is the password. In- <laughs> you know the slime? It's like a Cronenberg movie. Oh, God. Well, she's German, so she was astonished that it was a thing here, too. And yeah. I'm like, yeah, I know the slime. <laughs> yeah. It's big here, too. The world's strangest and worst nonsense is from America. Oh, of course. We, we like to share. Yeah. We extremely do not. No. But, but we want everybody else to think what we're doing is cool. Yeah. So that in yeah. that way we like to share. We we enjoy cultural hegemony. Yeah. We're just like, you want American shit, right? Exactly. You, you love that Coca-Cola. Mm-hmm. That Coca-Cola and, and that rock music. Yeah. Just the best. Everybody is gonna everybody's gonna watch Rambo and we're all gonna, you know. <laughs> Rambo for all I've started using Rambo as, like, a, a shorthand for American culture, <laughs> which is the most, like, <laughs> dumb lib thing I've ever done. Oh, it's my like God. A... <clears throat> it's like, you know, Rambo. <laughs> Jeez. And, you know, it works. So, we've covered our, I think, our, almost spall bases. Yeah. Uh, spall <laughs> of our bases are covered. <laughs> um... Uh, is there anything else that we want to touch on? I know we touched a little about, uh, you know, the, my favorite scene, I think, of the movie. That, the, my favorite serious scene, because I also really loved all the... All the spell stuff is really entertaining, yeah. but it's, mm-hmm. I feel like a jerk saying this, it's almost throwaway. Yeah. Because it, it, it is just, like, the cartoony part of the movie. Mm-hmm. Um. Also, when he's cleaning out the, the food truck, I was like, man... I wish that were me. I would love to buy a cheap food truck and just, like... And I'm like, I love when they open the window thing and he's just, like, pretending to order stuff. And I'm like, that sounds like so much fun. That does sound super (laughs) fun. 
when I was in that flea market I passed, it was like it was it cost like three hundred dollars. It was like an ice cream freezer that you could put in like a truck. And I was like, man, I was talking to Ben, and I'm like, let's drop out of college and just become ice cream men. I like one of my my best childhood friends, my friend Brandon Cox. Um, Shout out Brandon if you're listening. Brandon Cox, yeah, I hung out with him friend every of the weekend. Show, Brandon Cox, <laughs> friend of the show, Brandon Cox. He's a big, really big into like ICP and other bizarre stuff. <laughs> oh yeah, but I've I known him since like we've too. known each other since we were babies. We hung out every weekend, but his parents would do all these bizarre odd jobs. And for a while, they had like a snow cone cart, like one of the, like essentially like the caravan thing that they would just drop yeah. off their snow cone cart. So I've seen his dad, Bob Cox. Um, like out in front of stores and we didn't know he'd be there we're like Bob what you doing he's just like I'm selling these snow cones you want one and we're like yeah Bob um, they just had everything it was bizarre like there were cell phone salesmen for a while God, they had a giant was... inflatable gorilla that they owned for some reason that they ended up selling to somebody who needed that that's the dream yeah they, they had a lot going on mm-hmm. and there is something about that that just sounds inherently fun just a series of it's, it's a yeah. very like I mean I guess they're British in this in this movie but it's sort of like a, a kind of American image of like yeah. the get rich quick scheme that you do a million of and you oh, yeah. know like well they, when they sold cell phones they sold cell phones at a flea market because we didn't know that was one of their jobs until because that's our normal flea market yeah and we're just like what you doing here <laughs> They're like selling these phones. What's up? <laughs> you're like, all right. It's like a cartoon. Like it was like, Bob, what are you doing here? And oh, that time like... it was Carla Cox. She's the Carla. real saleswoman. His yeah. mom, Carla. Yeah. Oh man, childhood friends. Yeah. Yeah. Same friend. Um, I don't know if we have time for this story, but feel free to cut it out. Hit me. Um, he got kicked out of school. Because he photoshopped himself in the Columbine picture. (laughs) (laughs) Oh my god. (laughs) And he also had a gun. Um, And it made the news. (laughs) It was amazing. Ooh, boy. Wow. Yeah. So then they had to be like, they're like, Brandon, you can't come to school anymore. (laughs) Yeah. They just made him take computer classes at the tech school. It was like by himself. Man. That seems like some. I, I'm surprised that nobody that I went to high school with got got expelled for. That was one of my childhood best friends. I hung out with him literally every weekend. Um, yeah, they also had a bird wow. named Rainbow that they'd feed French fries to. Yeah. Okay, I don't believe this anymore. This crossed the line. There's a scarlet no macaw named Rainbow. No, these are no longer real people. These are real people. I've known them for years. Oh, God. Yeah. All right. Just wanted to mention that, because it's been a long time since That's I told somebody the Columbine story. That's a hell of a You can story. still find, like, a couple of the news reports online. It's great. Because he was under 18, so they couldn't say his name. But I'm like, I know that's Brandon, yo! <laughs> I know well, that guy. What was, what was the name of the school? I'm gonna, I'm um, it would have been North Allegheny, the same school that all of my family went to, and so did Christina Aguilera. Oh, wow. <laughs> my mom went to the same high school as Axel Rose. Nice. She was two years ahead of him. She never met him. <laughs> he probably didn't show up for school much, is what I'm, I'm guessing. Sure. Also, yeah. living in Lafayette, I know that everybody who's ever met Axel Rose thinks he's a huge asshole. He seems like a dick. He is not. He is not welcome at any hotel in Lafayette. That's actually really funny. Yeah. They're like, no, we don't want you, man. Just <laughs> no. North Allegheny. 
I mean, it would be a while since we were in high school, but yeah, it was, it was something else. Hmm. All right, I'll I'll keep googling that later. We don't 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 need like a silent few minutes, but yeah, it it was great because somebody saw it in his bag. It was already graded. Like the teacher approved it, he got an A, and then somebody else saw it and was just like, "What the fuck?" This was for a class. Yeah, he did it for a class. Was it? It was like a computer class, (laughs) and they're like, "You need to Photoshop yourself into like a picture." And he's like, "Can I do Columbine?" And this is before like school shootings became common again. So Columbine was a big ass deal when I was a kid. Like I remember when it happened. Yeah. Um, like somebody whose sister died in Columbine spoke my first week of college. Like we had to sit and listen to him talk about how like in her diary she knew she'd die young. We sat the same. Did you have the same dude? Yeah, I'm like fucking. Yeah, friends of Rachel. Yep. Yeah, they came in there talking about like, yeah, Rachel was nice to everybody and then she got shot in Columbines. You should be nice to people and I'm like, Okay. (laughs) Then I'll get shot. I dig it, I should be nice to people and then they're like also, <laughs> she knew that she might die, and I'm like, I don't know about this yeah. one. And then the greatest... I mean, you grieve however you want, but also, like, this can't be healthy. The greatest thing was, is, like, I was with a bunch of my college friends. People I still hang out with and love, like, I've known them for several years now. Um, two of them turn around, and they're like the... Like, you know Amanda. They're very, like, Amanda-type people. Mm-hmm. They turn around, and they just go... Wow, I should buy a diary. It's what they got from that. That she wrote in her diary that she was gonna die. And I fucking bust oh out laughing God. at the Columbine talk because I'm like, that is so fucking stupid. I'm like, like, I'm like, I love you guys, but that's not the point of this talk at all. Also, like, having been a high schooler fairly recently... <laughs> Thinking that you might die young does not really set you apart from most high schoolers. No, I mean, almost too... Like, I don't even... I feel bad. Like, I don't even take people seriously anymore. And they're like, Pfft, I don't know if I'll even be around anymore. And I'm like, y'all say this. It's it's less extreme Everybody, now. Yeah, yeah, like, oh, we're all gonna die. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Like, I hope you don't. Yeah, that was, that was, that was one of the weirder, uh, you know, things that we had to go to. And another one that we went to is this thing called Every 15 Minutes. Mm-hmm. Which started out as, like, every 15 minutes someone dies in, like, an alcohol-related car accident. Hmm. And then it also turned into, also, don't do drugs. Um, <laughs> How many minutes do you die from drugs in the car? I, I don't know, because they didn't have that statistic. I doubt like it's once same, a day. <laughs> I doubt it's the exact same one. It's probably more now than it was when I was in high school, I would I'm think. heroin for sure, but, like... Yeah. I think if you're, like, driving stone, you're just driving slower. Yeah. <laughs> Um, but they gave this presentation, you know, because first of all, there was this thing where, like, this this guy dressed like the Grim Reaper would come to glasses <laughs> and be like, you, and someone would leave class, and they would, quote-unquote, have died in a, in a car accident, and they wouldn't come to school for a few days, and they would go and take videos of their parents, they were like... Yeah, your your daughter's dead. And they'd be like, oh, no. That's insane. What a stupid waste of time, <laughs> it, though. It was such a stupid waste of time. Did you guys do that thing where, like, they had a fake car accident for prom? Yeah. Uh, not for prom, but for this. There was, yeah. like, and they had this guy, Jarrett Meyer, who uh, has been in some TV show now. And he acted real hard. Did he? He was like, "Oh no! Ah, my friend's dying in a car accident." But more convincing than that. 
And then he really sold it. At the big thing, he was like, yeah, it was so weird. When I saw him sitting there covered with the fake blood, you know, I almost, I almost thought that he did actually die in a car accident. So those were real emotions. And I was like, sure it was. You just want everyone to talk about what a good actor you are. And then this lady came out and was like, yeah, you know, my son died of a heroin overdose. And I'm like, oh, yeah, bummer. And they're like, yeah, you know, he started doing drugs. And then he didn't even want to do heroin. But their friends, like, made him. And I'm like, ah, I don't know if that's true. That might be and what he, he told like, you. He was, like, he was like, he didn't even want to do heroin. He was trying to leave. And then his friend grabbed his arm and stuck the heroin needle into it. And I'm like, if that's the version of reality that you want to live in, then I'm not going to stop you from constructing that for yeah, yourself. Yeah, I'm thinking But I also no. don't think that that went down. But I was sitting there in high school, and I'm sitting there, and I'm like, you know, I don't... Because I, I was, like, a snarky asshole, but I was also, like, deep into, like, Tumblr. So I was also be like, I'm going to be kind, and I'm going to not try and judge how this person I'm going to write love on her arms. <laughs> exactly. I was, like, I was sitting there, and I'm like you know what, you went through a tragedy and you can grieve however you want, I'm not going to try and try and police that. And mm-hmm. then she was like, yeah. And then she pulls this thing on the phone and she's like, and they cut this shirt off of him, this is the shirt that he died in. And I'm like, it's like, and these are the jeans that he died in. And, I'm like, <laughs> and this is the watch that he died in. <laughs> these like, are the underwear that he soiled because <laughs> he died. Yeah. <laughs> like, this, like, this is not healthy for anybody involved. No. We shouldn't be seeing I guess it's like a shock value thing, but come on. The only person you should be showing this to you is your therapist. Oh like, God. you need to get professional help. Because oh. this, is, this is not going to be good for your mental state to go in front of hundreds of stranger <laughs> kids. Every day I touch the shirt he died. <laughs> and I present it to children. God, it was weird. It Yikes. was... Man, messed up the high school, like, happened... I, my favorite high school assembly was Sarah Wick came. Do you know who he is? He's kind of a local celebrity for us. No. He's um, a really famous coroner. Um, okay. And so I knew who he was since I was a kid because my Wait, mom loves coroners. Wait, I told me this same story, but keep going. It could have been me. Um, or just somebody telling you about Sarah Wick, but possibly a different story. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, no, he came to our school... And he does talks all the time, and a lot of his talks are just insane, like, ramblings of a man who's, like, seen a lot of famous dead bodies, and he'll just, like, talk about him, which is super unethical, but, like, whatever. Um, Yeah, but he's, like, had huge roles throughout history in, like, various um, coroner positions, like, he has dealt with a lot of famous dead bodies. Now, a lot of people don't want to tell you this. But uh, the bullet marks in Kennedy's body, they did not really match up with the official story. That is precisely what this presentation was about. <laughs> Wait, what? Yeah. Oh, my God. An hour and a oh half. Oh, my God. An auditorium full of like young high school children who are dumb Wait. and impressionable. And he did this. I think Jacob Dickey might have told me this. He probably did it there, too, because it's a Western PA thing, for sure. That's, like, where he's from. But, like, he, um, Sarah Wicked is a very, very famous coroner. My mom loves Sarah, so she was super excited. I don't know. Um, it's a special place. That's why, like, when I was on Jacob's show last week, I think we, every ten minutes, we kept diverting back to PA talk. I felt really bad for everybody else over there, but it was fun. Um, now we're on the 10-hour show, and I love to take some people home, yeah. and we're all talking about bad jobs to come back. Like, yeah, we've been talking about Pittsburgh for 20 minutes. It's not hard. 
hard to talk about it for a long time. We get into it, man. And he does a decent accent and it makes me think at home. But yeah, so this guy shows up, spends about an hour and a half about how the Kennedy assassination shit that you know is wrong. And we are exactly at that age in like school where we're learning about this. So it's super awkward. Did and you watch the scene from Oliver Stone's JFK? Yeah. So of course we, we did. So yeah, we. of course we did. Um, Jeff Kanoi showed us that, my U.S. history teacher. I was going to say, my, my history teacher showed that to us. Yeah. He also spent about a month on the moon landing being fake. Um, see, my, Which was super wrong. My professor wasn't that cool. Professor. It was in high school. <laughs> my uh, women's gym, my uh, women's basketball coach slash history teacher <laughs> who did not care. Wasn't that cool? He invented Friday faves. He was also my econ teacher when I took summer econ. Oh, God. We watched uh, the Lorax and Secretariat in his class. Jeez. In his econ class. I don't know why. I don't know. Yeah. He, he kept telling stories about during econ, he kept telling stories about a snow cone business that he used to have called Kanoi's Cones, and I'm pretty sure he made that up. I, maybe that's just his dream, and he was like feeling you guys out if it could work. <laughs> just like you guys would go to a thing like that, right? That sounds like something cool. I would. I would go to Kanoi's Cones. There you go. The Kona Ice, which was the snow cone truck in my hometown. <laughs> there was just one. It was they like, had like a whole deal. fleet of them. Oh my god! It's not a warm place. Mm-mm. What? Indiana? Yeah. In the summer, it gets real hot. Well, yeah, but I mean, like you're just talking summer only. There's a fleet. Yeah, they got like, they got a. You know. And you guys like your shaved ice. We love our shaved ice. All right. But yeah, so he has, like, pictures of the autopsy oh, that he presented to autopsy. Holy shit. We watched the... Oh, my God. We watched the Zapruder film, like, 17 times. <laughs> we kept watching that in class. And I was like, Jeff, I don't know. I mean, I knew what it was because, like, my my uncle had, like, his favorite movie is JFK. Um, I thought I was say his favorite movie is the Zapruder <laughs> film. Top cinema. Um, but when I was in my ethics class here, oh, and I, I had it with Connie Schultz, who was, you know, big-ass deal. She shows us the Zapruder film, and she goes, does anybody know what this is called? Or the person who shot this? And, like, Zapruder, mm-hmm. um, you know. I figured that's common knowledge. Nobody else in the room knew, and then they were startled that I knew that this is creepy information for me to have on hand. Yeah. She's like, why do you know that? I'm like, I don't know, man. See, <laughs> like, I own the Warren Report. Don't judge me. I, I watched, I saw the Zapruder film for the first time in, like, high school, but I had, like, heard about it, like, read about it when I was a kid, and I don't remember why, but, like, I also, I don't know, I had a weird childhood. <laughs> I, read, I feel like our childhoods are definitely different. I read a lot of, um... Of political cartoons when I was a kid, because we had a few books that were like the best political cartoons of like 1994, 1995, 1996, That's when you need et it. Because also Dan Quayle shit. Yeah, because my uncle Scott had some cartoons in those. Um, That's so cool. Yeah, and so I just read them, and I, I, so I had like a vague understanding of a lot of '90s scandals. So I'm like, <laughs> Disney Madam, I know a little bit about that. I totally know about that. Um, I, I read a lot about, uh, you know, Janet Reno. I was <laughs> In probably, her pantsuits. Yeah, I was probably one of the few ten-year-olds who were familiar with the phrase ethnic cleansing. I almost wish I knew you as a kid. Granted, I still would have been way too old to be friends with you. <laughs> um, I would have been like, hello, child. Um, 
Yeah, but no, I knew all that shit like when I was really little, and I would talk about it in school. Just a fourteen-year-old hanging out with well. an eight-year-old, <laughs> being like, "Yeah, we're hey, buddies." Kid. How's it going? Yeah, we talk about... <laughs> we talk about Janet Reno, and they're like, what the fuck? We talk about the invasion of Kosovo. She's like, you bring up Ira and Contra a lot to the children. <laughs> She's like, man, that's just like what we like talking about. Molly <laughs> North shit. Let's yeah. have fun. Yeah. I was totally that kid, and it did not swing well amongst mm-hmm. the other children. They did not find it interesting. Neil was really into ER for a while. I watched a lot of ER with my parents. It was it was alright. It was very nineties. I watched a ton of twenty four when I was a kid. I got stuck watching some twenty four. I watched a lot of ER. I watched so much ER. Ally McBeal. I watched <laughs> X Files when it was first on, like religiously, because my mom loves it. That's the last movie she saw in theaters. Was the first Exile X Files movie. Oh, the good X Files. Yeah, movie. and she's like, "This was too loud," and has not come back <laughs> to the theaters. <laughs> I hate the movies, it's too loud. <laughs> she's like, she's not even 50 yet. She's a young woman, and she's just like, this is too loud. She saw that when she was like 20-something. Jesus fucking Christ. I worked at a movie theater, and she didn't even come in. My dad came in all the time for free movies when I worked. It was so <laughs> shitty, and she was like, nah, I'm good. I tried to get a job at the movie theater. I did, like, a three-hour-long group interview with, like, 20 people. I didn't get the job. I was <laughs> like, it took three hours of my damn life. I wore a tie for this nonsense. I I got it really quickly because I just sat and shot the shit with two old guys about movies, and I knew what I was talking about, and they were very impressed. Mm. I'm like, we got this, man. Yeah. I'm like, what kind of movies do you guys like? And they're like, well, oh, okay. Oh, it's a Pruder film. <laughs> um... That, and I would, like, make really old SNL references. They loved me. Yeah, I was employee sure. the month, my first month there, so I was really good at working at a movie theater. But it sucks if you're not in high school, so I quit. Oh, yeah, because you also, you get something like, I don't know, 14 hours a week or something. I had, like, 40 hours a week. How? I don't know, because I was good at my job. And all the high school kids mm-hmm. had, like, That's OSHA right. things that they're like, yeah. you can only work sometimes mm-hmm. and you can't do most of the work yeah so it was just me and the projectionist that were there all the time that's really dope yeah and i'm just like one of the few people that can go in the projection room because you have to be over 18 and it was fucking awesome it's so cool yeah. up there you were living the dream it was it was good while it lasted i, I worked at a pretzel shack <laughs> i got lots of free popcorn oh man all right <sighs> life yeah. is sweet life really is sweet <laughs> Oh, jeez. Are there any other parts that we are completely lacking? Um, we covered all the all the weird parts of mm-hmm. it. You started to touch on the um, actual good parts of the, I guess, more mature parts of the movie, yeah. which would be, I guess, the family interaction. Because mm-hmm. I think the talk with the mom and Nicole yeah. at the end is really, like... That's great. It's fantastic. Mm-hmm. Um and it's not cheesy. It's not like a Hallmark version where she's yeah. immediately like, "You're right, mom. I do have problems." Yeah. Save me. She just she just tells her mom to leave and then just cries alone in her room. And I'm like, that's how people actually exactly. Do this stuff. It's like, it's a it's very not... normal move of just yeah. like, oh yes, I've been fucking up, but yeah. I am not admitting but, this yeah, to this person. <laughs> yeah. And I like a relationship with her sister because it's pretty damn real. Where it's just like, exactly. like clearly they care about each other, but then it's also like sibling fighting kind yeah. of shit which is you know it's always nice when you see that it's the sort of like sibling like yeah you know I care about you 
but I'm not like friends with you or anything. <laughs> like I care about you, but also like fuck you. Exactly. Like I totally had that phase with my brother. Mm-hmm. Um, it happens, especially when you're really close in age. Yeah. I'm still at that phase. Neil, if you listen to this, fuck you. Um, <laughs> but please edit this for us. Just kidding. We'd really appreciate it. You're great. It. Hope the play is going well. I hope it's going great. I'm sure you're amazing. Break a leg. Yeah. I don't know what they do in the play, but... Um, I, I'm pretty sure it's Merchant of Venice, and he plays uh, the, the, the famous... He plays the merchant, whose name I don't remember. Uh-huh. I should remember. That's a big ass deal. Have you seen um, "To Be or Not to Be"? Mm-hmm. The the guy who he's like, I always dreamed of playing what's his name in the Merchant of Venice. That's a big ass deal. Like, that is so cool. Yeah. Well, bravo, man. Jeez, and we're doing this. That's right. Yeah. Just just slightly underneath. The, exactly. Exactly. The the key role in Merchant of Venice, <laughs> the titular role. What was that guy's name? I should know this. I should be cultured. I remember this. I just feel like I should know more about Shakespeare than I actually do. You're not missing out much. Though I did... Was it you? I was talking to somebody about... The Shakespeare I've seen, I've enjoyed. I was gonna, I mean, it was you that I was talking about Shakespeare and teen movies with. Because half of teen movies are based yeah, off yeah, of Shakespeare. Most of Shakespeare. Yeah, where you're like, oh yeah, that's Taming of the Shrew, that's this, that's this. They all do Taming of the Shrew, but none of them ever do Titus Andronicus. I'd love to see a, <laughs> a teen movie where they straight up just eat somebody. I mean, I'm kind of impressed they did, uh, like, Othello or whatever. Um, mm-hmm. you know. What teen movie was Othello? O. Is what it was called. Okay. <laughs> yeah. It was O, and it starred Julia Stiles. Also. <laughs> Um, yeah, no, and then some Jane Austen and other shit, you know. Yeah. Nothing's original. Not at all. Scarlet Letter is easy A, like, they're all the same fucking thing. God, I wish I knew that I... Scarlet Letter sucked. I want to be real. I didn't even read it. I... Yeah. I'm good. I read The Crucible, that was fun. The Crucible was fun. The worst thing we ever had to read in that garbage high school, like, early American literature class was goddamn Ethan Frome, which is the most difficult slog like i don't know anybody who read that goddamn book and then we read the book but we had zero quiz we were supposed to read the book and we had zero quizzes on it and we watched the movie in class so it was just uh, like don't read the damn book because it's horrible and but the movie has liam neeson in it and huh. like liam neeson plays ethan Frome, and he's married to this woman but he's also like having an affair and then at the end, he and the woman he's having an affair with feel real guilty, so they decide to kill themselves. But the way they kill themselves is they they get on the sled on this snowy hill and they sunny bono themselves and they drive <laughs> the sled directly into a tree to kill themselves. But this is they did that on the screen and it's the goofiest thing I've seen in my life because Liam Neeson is like seven foot a million. That's also and he's getting on this super fucking ironic in a really bad way. He's getting on this toboggan, and the woman is, and they're both crying because they're about to kill themselves via a sled. And then they start sliding down the hill, and, like, it's going slow at first, and then they go faster, and then they hit the tree. And it's the silliest-looking thing that I've seen in my life. That is the dumbest way to kill yourself. <laughs> exactly. Also, really sad that's how his wife died. That's how Liam Neeson's wife died? In real she's, life? Oh. Like, years later? Ooh. She's the mom in Parent Trap, like the remake. Ooh. And she died in a skiing accident? Well, <laughs> oh, this is a, a, a tobogganing accident. True, but, you know, if you're going to sunny bono yourself with a phrase, then, you know, that's that's a skiing accident, buddy. Yeah. Ooh. 
R.I.P. Liam Neeson's wife. So yeah, you get Natasha right Richardson. Yeah, that's what the plot of Taken was originally about. <laughs> he's gonna fight a mountain. He's gonna fight the snow. <laughs> he's that's, that's he's pro global warming. <laughs> Isn't there a movie? Um, there's a movie with Liam Neeson and snow, and I just assume he's fighting the elements. Oh, he's fighting wolves in that one. Hell yeah. It's so stupid. Yeah, Taken 2 came out when I worked at the theater, and it played in, like, half of our theaters. It fucking sucked. (laughs) I've only seen, like, three movies in theaters this year, but one of them was The Commuter. (laughs) Oh my god. It looked really dumb. Was it dumb? (laughs) It was... For most of it, I was like, I'm on board. This is an alright movie. And then it got really dumb. (laughs) It was was fun, though. He was doing detective work on a train. (laughs) Like you do. Like always. It's great. God. Alright. Any other life You can read my letterbox review of it if you're interested. You can read uh, my letterbox ratings, because I don't often do reviews. Though my last few, I felt, were gems that were underappreciated. Very fair. I I reviewed um, The Ten Commandments and Along Came Polly. You know, (laughs) that classic back-to-back. Which is your favorite (laughs) of those ten? Um, Thou Shall Not Rape. Oh, that's not on there. I know. If we got Damn. That, that's in the appendices. That's in the director's <laughs> cut. That's in like the little like, you know, the asterisks yeah. and they're like, we meant to add this. Whoops. Yeah. Um, yeah. God. I have to watch that movie every Easter because they put it on TV and my mom goes, let's put it on. <laughs> <laughs> so we watched it together and she kept calling Moses names. <laughs> like what a fucking dink because like he let his ex-girlfriend's kid die even though she saved his kid and i'm like that's not how like it's a fable mom like that's how this works Mm -hmm. he's got to be a dick for the the religion to happen um and she's just a dick yeah she helped his kid it's only fair yeah my family's the same way it was out of my mom putting on us my dad and instead of easter it's um Armistice Day, and instead of <laughs> Ten Commandments, it's Blackadder Goes Forth. Nice. Very nice. So same thing exactly. Exactly the same <laughs> Exactly thing. the same. Also, it's going to be the same family traditions. We watched, like we're siblings. <laughs> we really are siblings. It's <laughs> not... We also watched uh, 1776 every um, 4th of July. Oh, how is that? I've always kind of... It's a real good movie. I was going to say, because they play it on TCM a lot, I'm always tempted, but it also <clears throat> seems like a commitment. It's good. It's real good. All right. I'll, I'll give it a chance. It seems like my kind of thing. I also, like, got mesmerized the other day. Before your party, I was um, supposed to meet up with Alyssa, and I got mesmerized watching the dance scene in Seven Brides for Seven Brothers. I haven't seen that one. Oh, it's delightful. It's also really fucked up. I'm popping down a few um, recommendations because I forgot to write any. Because <laughs> I'm not a good host. Sorry, folks. He's He's swell. He's a good host. That's me. He drove me here. The best kind of host. Absolutely. Um, what's my, okay, yeah. Cool. I have my recommendations down. There you go. Any other features we're missing? Um, can I do ratings? We do, uh-uh. What do you think? Yeah. Ratings, recommendations, plugs, and then we get out of here? All right. All right. How would you rate this movie out of five spalls? In out of entirety? five spalls. Um... Well, if I'm going to reflect my letterboxed rating, um, mm-hmm. I'm going four out of five. That's um, solid. Do you do, like, half ratings at all? Uh, Neil does it, but I don't believe in that. So you yeah. can make your own judgment. I was going to say, because, like, I think... I mean, I love Mike Lee, and it's dark, and it's interesting, and mm-hmm. it was even more fun the second time around, so I, I feel confident with four out of five. That's pretty fair. 
How about Timothy Spall's performance? That gives me more of like a 3.5 because mm-hmm. he did great. He committed all the way through. For sure. But he's also kind of garish when everybody else is sort of understated. Yeah. Um, but it's amazing. Like, I think he's delightful and bizarre and awful mm-hmm. and incredibly memorable in the movie. Because um, I've clearly, I'm not on the, the small level you are in mm-hmm. terms of um, things watched with him in it. But I've seen him in plenty of things, and I've never seen him like this. Yeah. He goes for it. Mm-hmm. I give him credit there. And probably the easiest rating is going to happen. How about uh, Spall Fashion? Five out of five. Uh, for sure. Amazing. <clears throat> this is, like, I, once again, not on your Spall level, mm-hmm. but um, spectacular clothes. Oh, it's just... It's like half of his acting is beautiful. the clothes. Yeah, the clothes really do make the man. Mm-hmm. Definitely. Do you have a... What you... Personally? Yeah. Um, I think for the most part I agree. Uh, his movie, Fortified Spalls, it was a, a very... You know, I enjoyed this a lot. It was mm-hmm. great. Um, especially towards the end. Just There was a lot of this movie that was just fun to watch in a sort of like... You know, people just being goofy. People doing stuff mm-hmm. that they really do. Like, oh, yeah, I bought this big caravan. Let's pretend we're going to do something with it, even though we all know it's not happening. Yeah. Uh, it was just, you know, it was kind of touching. So, yeah, four to five. Spall's performance, though, he just... It was a hard... At first, when he first came in, it was just hard for me to watch it, because I was just like, oh... This isn't a character. This is a guy acting like it. Mm-hmm. There's something about maybe it's it might be just because I've seen Timothy Spall too much and I know what his voice sounds like mm-hmm. that I was immediately like, oh, he's he's trying to do this voice. But a lot of the acting just didn't really work for me. So I gotta I gotta give him three Spalls is the best I can do. No, that makes sense. Fashion, I would give him six out of five if I could. It's beautiful. <laughs> it's spectacular. I mean, and since I think we spent about twenty percent of this just talking about oh, his clothes, for sure, for sure. Yeah, because it's it's something else. Five spalls, fashion. Exactly. Yeah, because the performance isn't bad, but like I know he can be more understated, yeah. and mm-hmm. I feel like he probably felt like he had to be ridiculous yeah. for this. And also, also one of his earlier roles. Yeah, like twenty four. <laughs> he was God a damn. young man, like, twenty four. Holy shit. <laughs> And to do some of the really embarrassing stuff he did with a straight face is impressive. I... I mean, he was, like, in, um... Just a few years earlier than when he was, like, 22 and he's in Gothic, he says, like, half the movie bald and with his pants off. So he's, like, he's no stranger to being very embarrassing (laughs) early on. That's good. That's good that he's willing. I mean, maybe that's why he's had such longevity. Yeah. He doesn't do that anymore. (laughs) No. He just sort of stumbles around. He doesn't do enough pantsless scenes. I wish. Damn. I don't really think I need to watch the new stuff then. I'll just stick with the, the yeah, classics. Yeah, no point. Yeah. All right. Uh, is there any stuff you want to recommend? Um, I would definitely recommend Naked by Mike Lee, which I've referenced like sure. 15 times. It's really good. It's dark. Like Maybe start with Life is Sweet if you like it, if you mm-hmm. can handle it. If it's not too dark and dry for you, then yeah. Naked is the best. next Based step. Based on it's the so album good. the same name by Talking Heads. Probably not. But also, fantastic album. I, I do recommend that, and really mm-hmm. most Talking Heads albums. I also like to say that about the movie Apollo 18. <laughs> Same thing, yeah. yeah. It's based on the album. <laughs> oh my god. Um, I also recommend Huggies, Sixlets. The, the drinks, not the diapers. 
Exactly. Um, little hugs is what they're actually called, but I everybody calls them huggies. I don't know. Um, fruit barrels, if you will. And um, that's what we've been. I've drank like three of them over the course of this. Exactly. The, the hug, like, hugs have fueled this broadcast today. Yeah. Um, and sixlets. And also the movie Seven Brides for Seven Brothers, which what? I now really want to talk about in all cinema because it is bananas. You need to back up. What the hell are sixlets? This is a sixlet. Would you like to try one on air? It says, let, oh, it just says sixlets twice, but the way it, it cuts, like with the wrapping, <laughs> yeah. it looks like it says, let's sixlets. <laughs> let's sixlets. Gluten-free, nut-free. Ben can eat these. Let's see. I love them so much. They were like a favorite candy as a kid. Okay, so just like the little chocolate balls, and like the the coating is like um. I don't know how to describe. It's a taste that I'm familiar with. But I don't know how to describe it. It's also almost kind of like how um, candy cigarettes taste. If you've had mm-hmm. those, I love candy cigarettes. See, I don't. I think they're pretty bad. Oh, they're not good. They're yeah. like sod light wafers, but I love them. And, like, do you ever have, like, paper candy? Like, the, the buttons on paper? No. I, I eat exclusively old people candy. You're not that much do older than me. Do you see my jar of strawberry hard candies? You're not that much older than me, but you only eat candies that are made in the 1920s. Apparently. You only eat depression era candies. <laughs> I was like, you know, it's all a ruse. I'm actually 106. I'm like, yeah, these are all we could have back during rationing. Yeah. Mmm. Love me some phosphates and sixlets. Yeah, I don't know how I feel about these sixlets. I'm gonna have to get back to you on this one. That's fair. What is that taste though? Like that sort of it. Oh, it honestly tastes like a kind of like a malted nut ball. A little bit. Which I'm also not a fan of. <laughs> you yeah. don't have to eat them. I just figured yes, you should try it for it. the sake of understanding also, what a sixlet is. You were dropping them all over the office. I'm a mess. Uh, anyway, folks. Wow. That's life is sweet. Um, what are your recs? Oh, my recommendations. First of all, I did come up with these as I was um, doing this show. I'm going to recommend Blackadder. I've probably recommended it before on the show. Like this, it is very, it is exceptionally British. It is very dry. More than probably anything else, that's where I got a lot of my sense of humor. Did you ever see Withnail and I? No. You should see Withnail and I. Oh, Faulty Towers, though. Faulty Towers is good. <laughs> Don't talk about the war. Um... And then my other recommendation, uh, a couple nights ago at my place I had Chili and Zilly Night Part 2, where I it made was lovely. A, whole, a whole mess of chili, mm-hmm. and we watched Godzilla vs. Destroya, which was okay, followed by Godzilla, Mothra, and King Ghidorah, Giant Monsters All Out Attack, which made its way into my top five favorite movies. I loved that movie. I'm recommending Godzilla, Mothra, and King Ghidorah, Giant Monsters, All Out Attack. It I'm was, so envious. I God, wish I, I didn't. so good. I didn't know you were going into Mothra territory. I'm very envious. It was incredible. Yeesh. All right. There's a, like... You know the painting, um... The Great Red Dragon and the Woman Clothed in Sun? Mm-hmm. It's the one that they're talking about in Red Dragon. There's a scene with with Mothra and King Ghidorah that reminded me of that painting. It was, in, it was God, I loved it. I love that movie. It was it was somewhat describe art, sheer art. That's all I can describe it as. Half of the movie is this huge set piece action like fight between these monsters, and like it goes, it's like you know how like the last fight scene in um 
in Man of Steel went on forever. Mm-hmm. It's like that, but if it was good and you were okay with it still happening, <laughs> it ruled. I loved the way it ended. Just mwah, chef kiss. Just like excellent. Check that out. It's in my top five favorite movies. I saw, I saw it got added. I'm like, man, yeah. I miss the goods. Yeah. Apparently Letterboxd only lets you do top four movies. Yeah. It sucks because I have five. I can't fit Hot Fuzz on there. Oh, that's in your top five? That's, that's my top five. Because my top five always changes because I don't have a true top five. This is this is the closest I can get to my top five. It is subject to change, but these are like the five movies where I'd be like, if I have five favorites right now, that's yeah. them. For those of you listening who are not checking out my letterbox <laughs> right now, it's um, Doctor Strangelove. Excellent. The Fall. Um, Hellraiser. I love it. What's your favorite character in Hellraiser? The Cenobite who looks like Oogie Boogie. I like the one with the teeth. Chittering one, yeah. That's my favorite. He's a good one. Uh, Godzilla, Mothman, and King Ghidorah, Giant Monsters, All Out Attack. And then uh, Hot Fuzz is number five. Excellent. Good choices. Yep. Yeah. I love. Um, that would be my, my hype. Go to Letterbox. Well, everybody get on Letterboxd. Yeah. What's your letterbox so that they can... Um, mine is actually under my name. You can find it through you. It used to be just River Woods, but then when I uh, accidentally attached my Twitter, it just changed my first name, <laughs> which is troubling. Yeah. Um, but yeah, uh, it's it's a good time. I watched an obscene amount of movies. I watched about um, like five this week. Wow. <laughs> I watched many fewer movies than that. I watched three this week, and I've talked about all of them on this podcast. I've mentioned only Life is Sweet. If, if y'all want to check out my letterbox, it's uh, Death to Cinema. Very nice. That's the number two. Um, you can follow Neil on Twitter at fucking Alpamare, F-U-C-K-I-N-A-L-P-A-M-A-R-E. Nice. It's some wrestling nonsense. I'm Eric is a Joke. I should probably also be River Woods or River Woods 55 because it's essentially my name. Wow. River Woods, Brook Forest. Messed up. I like <laughs> that your name is just like someone in the outdoors describing. <laughs> Two things. There. Uh, Brook and a forest. That's, that's what's here. Yeah. And my middle name was almost flow through. <laughs> I have really good parents. <laughs> Brook Yep. Broke free throw for us. <laughs> what up? Um, and on that note, um, thank you for listening. Mm-hmm. What other things do we plug? Funkhouse Berlin, consistently the highest rated political talk program in the history of spoken word. You can check that out uh, and this out yeah. on the BSR SoundCloud, soundcloud.com slash radio. where you can also check out all of our other podcasts. We just put up a new one called the Cellular Regeneration and Entertainment Chamber. Mm-hmm. Um, um, Brianna Forker and Ben George, both friends of Funkhouse Berlin. And you know what? Mitchell, uh, Neil isn't here, so I'm just going to say it. Friends of Spall Talk. Um, <laughs> they have a... It's a leftist analysis of the Star Trek movies, so check that out. Um, their guest is Claire Bobel, also a friend of the show. Mm. So yeah. I also recommend All Cinema. If you want to continue to hear me ramble Mm -hmm. on about movies, that's where you find more of that. All Cinema, when I started the thing where I um, recommend a um, BSR SoundCloud show every time, that was the first one I recommended. Nice! I'm honored. Because that 
in part because that and um, this were the only ones on there. <laughs> yeah, because we technically have been around since last semester, but we never like posted any of those, which is probably for the best. We got pretty inappropriate. Wow. It was which good. you guys never do anymore. Not at all. It's all super <laughs> squeaky clean. No, it was like straight up stuff that would get me like fired. Nice. It was delightful. I mean, on Funkhouse, I, I joked that we should behead every Republican senator just last night. <laughs> oh my god. During our cold open. You're all going to get me fired, but oh, yeah. you know, um, something's got to make me leave school. <laughs> also, check out Neil's short story collection, Mark My Words, I Might Be Something Someday. Uh, just go to his Twitter. I think you'll find a link to it there. And on that note, um, that's Spall, folks.